surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. The Bar Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader at the end of the game. The Bar Podcast. Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name is Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that's been waiting on the winner of Hurd versus Depp and Vardy versus Rooney to see who we've got in the next round of the Cup. Once again this week we'll wade through all the headlines of Bolton Wanderers, the ones what we wrote, I might add, and attempt to put a bit more meat on the bones. And on this week's show, Reebok, Macron, University of Bolton, what name will be above the door in 2023 at Wanderers? Bound to happen. Have Bolton Wanderers scored no goal with their Oldham Athletic friendly? And as details of the new fan zone emerge, we ask, what about the vegans? But before all that, let's catch up with former Wanderers keeper Jake Turner. Jake, where have you been since Bolton? I have. I've been bloody everywhere. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I say you bloody can, actually. You, of course you can. Of course you can. Of course you can. We're a very liberal podcast. Ah, oh, right. Fair enough. Ah, let's move on then. Um, and a chance to remind you right now that you can subscribe to all our Bolton Wanderers coverage for absolutely nothing. It's a 30-day free trial coming up. We've got loads of new features. One starting on Saturday, uh, an exclusive diary of a Bolton Wanderers fan who for 75 years kept a diary of every match day, every Bolton Wanderers experience he had. Um, so we've broken that into some, some segments. We're going to run that off as a, a, a premium uh, premium article. It's really, really interesting seeing what life was like on the terraces back in the 20s, would you believe? Um, loads and loads of interviews, exclusive stories coming up. And of course, we're going over to Portugal soon as well, so you'll get some of that. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe and for 30 days. You can have it for absolutely nothing. See what all the fuss is about. Okay, enough advertising. It's time to introduce a man who some people say would have beaten the Ukraine at the Eurovision Song Contest. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, yes, I possibly would have done because I think with the judges, with the, sorry, with the listener vote, I got 440 instead of 439 of Ukraine. Um, but I like the. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading the. The guy's diary, uh, who um, who wrote about every match day. I'm thinking of doing one myself. Dear diary, how dare they do the thunderclap? It's embarrassing. And the drum, <laughs> don't get me started on the drum. I'm only joking, of course. I like him. The drum, the drum. Oh, my word. The drum, This it really has split. I mean, I wouldn't say it's split people. It's just very clearly defined them between age, I think. I think that people, yeah. my, people my age, and I'm, I'm 43, I'll reveal that exclusively. Uh, I reckon anybody above me hate the drum. Anybody below me don't mind the drum. <laughs> it's, it's mad. Yeah. yeah, as someone who's, uh, and I'll reveal my age, is 12 years your junior. Yeah, I think about that, right? Um... I, I like it. I, I've got to say, though, I can understand why people don't like it, but let's put things into perspective. For anyone who went to the Portsmouth game at home, it could be worse. <laughs> we could have a bell. It could be sad so, the guy with a bell, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'd rather have a drum than a bell. I'd rather have a drum with a bell. That might well be the title of the podcast this week. <laughs> ah, good stuff. I like it when we get that out of the way nice and early, Henry, I have to say. Yeah, take that off. Yeah, 39 days to go. Until the opening friendly against Longridge Town, are you have you having withdrawal symptoms yet? Yeah, a bit. Yeah, I um, 
it, it's funny that what us football fans enjoy, uh, you know, watching and liking. And, you know, like I was there, there the other day, the club put out the, the basically the best videos when they filmed the crowd, the fan cam. So I'm watching it and I've, I think I watched it twice and my wife's standing next to me going, why are you watching this? It's just pictures of a, it's a video of a crowd cheering. I'm like, yeah, but you see the limbs. And uh, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm watching old videos of limbs and uh, re- refreshing your Twitter account to try and get transfer updates, I've got to say. I've been waiting a long time. I don't know anything, Henry. Um, yeah, do you know what? It's weird, actually, because it seems to be quite a modern phenomenon that it's fans watching fans. It's like Gogglebox. So mm. you are watching yourselves watching the football and looking for the reactions and and it's a it's a weird it's a weird process for me i have to say i i I once set up a camera and it's probably out on the youtube still actually set up a camera on me when bolton played peterborough on the last day of the season and they had a, a camera on me through the in the press box through the whole game and I was so aware of it the entire time. <laughs> it's like, it, it was horrible. It was, it was one of the cringiest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It, it, it's, it's a bit like when they announce the attendances and people clap themselves for turning up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it is. I've discussed this before and there's something me and my dad talk about. We go, we, we, we say how many do you reckon will be here today and how many... Uh, what is the attendance? It is weird because, yeah, you know, I guess if it, if the crowd's really low, then yeah, I get, I get that people will talk about it. And if it's really high, I think they'll talk about it. But when it's in the middle, with no, our usual about fourteen thousand, it doesn't actually matter. And then yeah, you, it's funny what we uh, we cling on to and 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 what's important to us. I really miss that noise. When you know whether it be Colin McGreevy or whether it's Phil, or, or, or they'd announce the attendance halfway through the second half, and then you'd get this incredulous groan of like, "Really? What? There's never thirteen thousand in here!" <laughs> and, and you could just hear it echoing right round the whole stadium. It was brilliant. And yeah, I missed that. I missed that. But um, right, okay. This is a football podcast. It's not just Bolton Wanderers. I wanted to set a challenge because this weekend it's the League One playoff final. Uh, between Sunderland and Wickham. We're going to get rid of one of them, and I think we decided last week that we decided Wickham was better. Or did we say Sunderland? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, we can't remember. Uh, both have the merits. and uh, I don't want, I don't really want to go back on. to Wickham, but Sunderland are obviously going to be a big club. So it's, it, it's swings and roundabouts. But anyway, right. So basically, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. You need to predict the score, but not just the score. You need, we need to add up the number of minutes that the goals are scored in. So if, let's say, you say it's 1-0 and they score in the seventh minute, so that's seven minutes. Okay? The, right, okay. the nearest person win, the nearest person to the actual number wins and the loser has to do a forfeit. Right. For next week's... And, and I, I would like people, I would like listeners of The Buff to send in their suggestions for a forfeit and I might just pick out the best one to, uh, to do live next week so Henry you you tell me what your score was going to be and what the minutes might add up to oh um I think it'll be a close game I think it'll be one nil probably to Sunderland and it'd be quite a late goal so I'm going to go 72 72 okay I think it's going to be a close game I'm going to go for one one and it to go to penalties 
and both the goals will come in the second half so that's gonna have to be 90 I'm gonna have to go for a hundred and thirty 130 minutes so that gives us a little bit of scope there we've not I've not just gone one more than you I've not just tried to make it really boring. yeah so so right that's that's there now forever um, th those predictions so send us in uh, you know the email address by now send us in your forfeit ideas I have got a couple up my sleeve um, including a Wigan athletic DVD that I bought for a forfeit that we never did last year but um, no we uh, we may well have to resurrect that because it's still sat in a cupboard somewhere okay this is a news podcast believe it or not uh, so let's have some headlines <laughs> News. Well, there's only one place to start, really, and that's the what uh, I think this is still trending on the Bolton News website, and you hinted at it before, is that we're going to be having a new stadium sponsor next season, not this coming season, the next one, but this coming season we will also have a new kit sponsor. Yes. Um, I know with the kits, uh, you're not really bothered about what Bolton playing as long as it's white. Uh, but do you have an opinion on the sponsor? Um, have you heard any hints at what it might be? Do you think it'd be another local company like Home Bargains, or will we go like global? What do you reckon? Do you know what I, I got asked that question last weekend, walking about doing my shopping. I must have been asked it six or seven times. People, honestly, if I knew what the sponsor was going to be, it would have been in that article. Um, I just, <laughs> all I knew is it was going to be a new sponsor. Um, I think it. We'll start with the kit sponsor. I do care about the kit sponsor. I do care about the kit sponsor because you don't want it to be something that's going to you know attract ridicule you don't want it to be something that's going to attract controversy and we all remember what quick quid we're all about mm. i don't want another quick quid i don't think you're going to get that with this ownership either by the way um no. i think it might be something and this is a stab in the dark educated guess something quite ethical i think we right. might be looking at something along the lines of um you know a, a, a trust or a hospice or a, you know that kind of thing maybe I think it would be quite nice to have something like that, a, a, an ethical type of sponsor, rather than something like, a, I mean, I'm trying to think, because they, they're trying to fade out, obviously, alcohol sponsors and, and, and cigarette sponsors and gambling mm. sponsors are all being pushed out now. So you're kind of thinking, well, who else has got money? Um, there's not uh, there's not a massive number of uh, businesses that have actually got money to, to knock about anymore, really, in this day and age, Henry. There's not, no, but I, personally... I like it when it's a local company and a, I know with home bargains and all there was that ridicule there, but my argument with that is that we are, we've all been in home bargains. I shop in home bargains. It's a great shop. And, right. uh, um, and also it is a local company and it's not a, a betting site that no one's heard of. Speaking of uh, which, remember when we had 188bet.com? Even better than that. Remember Rock Mobile? Oh, yes. I still don't know what they did. I don't. I don't. Not a clue. I've never heard anyone sign up to Rock Mobile. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, we've had some. I mean, years of Reebok. We have had some poor ones, haven't we? But um, yeah, I, th I think uh, it'd be interesting to see what which route they go down. Um, obviously, the club needs to make money, and um, um, and like you said, it's it's now taking out gambling sponsors. You do wonder 
what sort of company does have money. So it'd be interesting to see. I'm sure we'll find out very soon. The stadium is a bigger one for me, I must admit, mm. because I just about got my head around it being the Uni Bowl, even though it does feel a little bit, still a bit uh, icky. Um, you know, the yeah. University of Bolton Stadium, lovely. If that had been University of Bolton Stadium from the start, no problem. Every single stadium that changes its name has problems. Obviously, people still call it the Reebok. I think Macron just about got away with it. But the yeah. University of Bolton Stadium has been a hard one to get head round. Even the signage around the the town still points to the Macron at times, yeah. which is a bit strange. But again, a little bit like Home Bargains... That sponsorship was there when Bolton Wanderers were not a, a fashionable club to sponsor. They were a hard club to sponsor, and Home Bargain stepped in when you know the club really needed it. So I think you should thank them for that, and it certainly mm. shouldn't be um, chastised for it. But yeah, I think this one's a big one for them. The, the stadium sponsorship. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens and what what the the options are maybe on that. But I mean, we all remember. The quick quid stuff, you know. I, I just hope, I just hope there's no controversy there. That's all I care about. Yeah, no, I'm gonna say. I think for a stadium sponsor, I think you, it needs to be something that is the something. Like we had the Reebok, the Macron. I think uh, the Uniball. Yeah, just it, it was a bit. You can't just say oh, I'm after the Uniball. I'm after the University of Bolton Stadium. So. Um, hey, I mean, football's football nowadays, and it's whoever has the deepest pockets will get the uh, get the honour. But um, yeah, you do hope you do hope that it's not an embarrassing sort of link, and also it is something that rolls off the tongue. I think it'd be nice. Well, when I'm saying about eth an ethical shirt sponsor, as in like a a hospice or a trust or that kind of thing, what what if they did the ultimate? tribute and turned around and said well this is the nat loft house stadium i mean would you go i'm just going down to the loft house <laughs> and the loft house kind of does have a ring to it i it guess sounds like but, a real uh, ale pub it does doesn't it but um uh i don't know i think we've uh you know nat loft house is a club legend of course but he's got a statue he's got the the stand named after him you know you can only do so much but um yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. This is going to keep be uh, on our. You know, everyone's going to have uh, something to say about it over the course of the next twelve months. Because yeah, we we probably won't find out for another twelve months. Actually, okie dokie. Let's move on. What's another headline? Well, the next one is an intriguing one, really, um, and it's the eight pm kickoffs. Of course, there's always Reading. I think Stoke might be another one who have, who are bound to having these eight pm kickoffs based on the we're around. Uh, retail parks and stuff um, and it's been there since the opening of the Reebok but now it could be a thing of the past what can you tell us about this yeah so this all came from a conversation I had with Neil Hart the Baltimore Wanderers CEO and I for quite a while I've been meaning to write an article to explain why Baltimore Wanderers kick games off at eight o'clock it's not something they can help it's part of the planning that was part of the stadium originally when it was built in 1997 and I needed Neil just to, to, you know, underline that it was a traffic issue, uh, that it was it was basically the planning authority had said, you've got to do league games at eight o'clock when bigger crowds are going to be there so that the traffic could be managed from the surrounding areas onto the 61, yada, yada, yada. 
So, yes, uh, had that. Ch and then I said, well, have you ever thought about changing it? Because I'm always being told that younger fans struggle to get to games, that, you know, play the people that live a bit further away maybe would appreciate getting back earlier, all that kind of thing. And obviously a lot of other clubs start at 7.45. Um, and he says, yeah, we're actually talking uh, to the camp council now um, about trying to change it. So it is possible that Bolton Wanderers might revert to the norm of 7.45, which as a journalist who has to file copy on a whistle, I'm telling you, is amazing. That gives me an extra 15 minutes to... Uh, to, to write my story and to, to get it sent in. That's an that, that's like an eternity. Um, you know, double the number of pages I can feel I can, I can do that, no problem. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a little difference. There's not a massive difference, quarter of an hour or so for general public, but actually getting off that car park, I think, and back onto the motorway is, is quite difficult if you, if you head out at the final whistle, as you'll probably tell me better than I know. Uh, but certainly oh, yeah. a, lot, a lot of fans seem to suggest that. So w what type of difference would it make for you? Um, well, as you know, I tend to work on midweeks, so not, uh, not much of a difference for <laughs> me. One. But I, I, uh, I get off I follow 15 minutes earlier. But um, no, I think in the matches I have been uh, midweeks, it's... I, I mean, getting off the car park, to be honest, does depend on what the result is. If we're getting beat 4-0, then it's very easy to get off the car park. So, uh, um, But if, if we go back to, was it two years ago, where we didn't lose a match on a Tuesday, I guess yeah. that would... That would be helpful having the fifteen minutes extra, um, but again, I you know I'm a thirty-one-year-old. It doesn't you know my bedtime isn't ten o'clock. Whereas I can understand if you've got kids, then uh, yeah, you know if you're getting off the car park, if you live I don't know in um, Bury or something, you could be getting home at eleven o'clock, which for a, a kid that's got to then be up at half seven or whatever it is, seven to go to school, It's uh, it could be an issue. So, yeah, it could be, those 15 minutes could be vital. I'm 43, my normal bedtime is nine o'clock. That's that's how it, that's the direction it goes in, Henry. That's all I'm telling yeah. you. Right, to give us another headline. Well, this is, uh, we're going to be talking about this every week for now until uh, the new season. We know it and it's come up again. Dapo after lion. Apparently this week he's off to... Rangers! Hooray! Right, okay. Well, would, for start, let's, let's be honest, Rangers, as we talk, lost in the UEFA Cup final, the Europe, Europa League final, last night. That's probably a good thing. I mean, they're not, they're not necessarily going to be a, a wash with money next season. Um, mm. But would you blame him to, to go to a club of that size? I wouldn't, to be honest. And actually, when I um, thought about it, and uh, when it, the name when Rangers got brought up, I actually thought, mm, I think he'd suit the Scottish League mm. because, with respect to the Scottish League, it's the the clubs nearer the bottom. Uh, it is more like League One in some of the grounds, and there's going to be kicks everywhere, you know. Week, so he's used to it. So I thought, well, that is a good opportunity for him to go and play for a very big club. Uh, they have uh, they play Celtic four times a year, which is like, you know, a massive game. They'll be playing in Europe. So I wouldn't, if he left for Rangers, I wouldn't blame him one bit. I would be disappointed, of course I would, and I still think he can give us a lot. But whereas you looked at, say, some championship sides he was being linked with and thought, well, what's the point in that? I think Rangers would be a side where I go, I can see, I can see what he's doing there. Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, you're going to get European football almost as a given every season. 
you're not I mean like you say when we're talking about Cardiff City was was one of the ones who were watching them and, and any of those kind of mid-level championship teams you kind of think that Bolton in the next few years will be on par if not surpassing them so I, I think with Rangers I could accept it I could understand it however however I did say this was going to be one of those summers for Bolton Wanderers um, and that he is the man on the edge uh, you know, on, on everybody's lips, if you will. Um, so, I think he's get, I think he's being thrown around a little bit as a as a, a way of getting headlines in some respects, or a way of getting clicks or whatever else uh, we we trade in nowadays. So, I think it's been an easy one. Whether or not his representatives are looking about and, and seeing if there's any offers out there, maybe. Um, I'd be surprised if they wasn't because obviously his stock is very very high at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and and of course the one point five million is uh, mm. this is the thing, isn't it? There's so many people have so many opinions on what his price tag actually is. One point five million, I don't know. I think that's a bit cheap for Dapo. I think uh, we should be looking at at least two and a half, maybe three. Uh, mm. But then again, how many League One players have have done that? And and you know you look at the bigger pictures. We've said before if he uh, goes for one point five or two million, with I'm guessing that we'll, with a future sell-on clause will be quite big. He's only had one and a half really full seasons in the football league, so it's to get him for nothing and sell him twelve months later for that is probably a really good deal. But um, I, I'd like to think the club have said we don't need to sell, so I'd like to think that. They will dig the heels in a bit and, and try and get as much for him as they can. If that is the route they're going down, or they'll just say, no, you're not going. Yeah, I think when you look at other players that have signed elsewhere from League One level, you are not getting many above 1.5 million for Dapo's age. I know mm. you, you made a good point there about him not necessarily having played that much uh, football, so he's, he kind of needs to be treated slightly differently. I mean, you look at Scott Twine, for example, who's at MK Dons, similar sort of player. He's 22. Now, if he were to go for three plus million, it wouldn't really surprise me. I think there's a slight ceiling there on Dapo at the moment, but that wouldn't exist if Bolton got into the championship, because you know he could he could all you know add that extra bit to his CV. He's definitely capable of playing at higher level. There's no question about that, and I think he needs to do that. My heart, my heart is telling me that there may be something, you know, there may be a time where Bolton are tested on Affleyan before the end of the summer. But my head is telling me that they they're gonna they're gonna hold on to him, um, mm. and that they're gonna look to try and get him to that next level themselves and have him as as kind of the fulcrum of the promotion push next season. I hope so, anyway. Yeah, you'd like to think that the, uh, you know, Ian Everett has stated how, how much he likes Dapo and you'd like to think that they're building a team around him um, and the, the way we've improved the squad in the recent transfer windows, you'd like to think he sees that as well and he sees that the club's going one direction. But he has said that and you said last week that he was... He was frustrated at all these rumours that yeah. had come out, so he clearly wants to stay. Um, a man who uh, also may be staying, but in a different capacity, is Andrew Tott. He's been offered um, a role in the B team. Uh, apparently, you say that Baptiste was offered a similar one, but turned it down. Yeah, so we, we think 
Baptiste wants to stay in the game as a player for the next 12 months. He, he obviously has said that he will, he feels like he's got 12 months left of playing time in him as such. He wants that 20th professional season. And also, in the past, he hasn't really shown that much interest in going to coaching. Um, I think Bolton felt like they, they he deserved the offer first. Um, but I think it's probably not going to happen but Totti looks like he does want to go into coaching he was obviously at the end of his playing days with Bolton um, but he could and, and it has happened and I may have talked about it on the podcast before about experienced players being used in these B teams as a, a general on the pitch a, a manager on the pitch to talk players through games and, and that kind of and he's very good at that he's a good communicator he's very experienced Started at Manchester City, he's got a great pedigree. You know, he may not have played at the highest level, but he's 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 got a very good experience in the game and he's a good talker. So, I think let's uh, let's give let's let's see what he's let's see what he's about. I think it's it's all about giving players that opportunity and uh, to see whether they're made for coaching. Um, I think they're still going to appoint a B team manager to oversee the whole thing. I, I also understand they're going to appoint um, a kind of a head of coaching, which is is to look at the uh, the standards right across the academy. So they really are investing in that side of things. They're not just half-arsing it. It's, they are going to go and, and try and do this properly. So it's, it's quite an exciting time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the B team's got to offer. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Uh, whereas they've, they've wanted to build a squad, of course they have, and that's the thing as, as a fans we see front and centre it's now the the obvious and they talk about you know no neil hart's talks about getting bits around the stadium done that, that need a lick of paint and the you know head of coaching and all of these things the stuff we don't necessarily mm. notice as much is now obviously plan uh, plan b of the, the the plan going forward of a second part of it so yeah it's exciting and um yeah i agree with you i think if you've got any Player and let's face it, right? Andrew taught he's, you know, he's obviously had his injury problems. We've seen that, and um, you know, if he can get a contract elsewhere, then fair enough. But if he feels that actually this is the best for me going forward, then I think it's a great opportunity for him. Um, and uh, and yeah, but and it's the same with Baptiste. If maybe he can have a year somewhere and come back, who knows? Um, right, the next headline. Uh, Good segue. Is fan... Thank you, thank you. Uh, the next headline is fan zone, and this has been uh, this was another part of your topic with uh, Neil Hart. I know a lot of people have been asking for updates on it, and I believe yeah. it's the ninety percent sure that it's going to be there for the first home game of the season. Ninety nine percent sure. Oh right, it's very very, wow. very sure, very very sure. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, the big reveal really is is where it's going to be. It's the director's car park. So, whereas I was initially thinking it was going to be round the back near Bolton Central in that kind of corridor between the, the club shop and, and the Premier Suite and going out towards uh, the steps and such like, um, it actually it's going to be further round. So, it's on the side of the, where the solicitors is near the bridge um, on that kind of smallish car park there um, where there's quite a bit of grassland as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fairly big, big operation, a thousand capacity. So, and it's going to open three hours before a Saturday game. 
Um, so there's going to be plenty of time to go in there and have a couple of beers and such like. Uh, there's mm. going to be big screen up there. You've got bars. You've got uh, you know places you can go and have something to eat. There's going to be covered areas so that if it does rain, it's not going to be a massive problem. Um, I do worry personally that on that stretch of land, I've often referred to it as the windiest place in Britain. Yeah. And I do hope that it's tied down well. Whatever they do, I hope it's like setting concrete so that it doesn't blow away. Um, because the last thing we need is a thousand fans being blown away in the Wigan direction. It'd be ridiculous doubling their crowd. Um, so, um, <laughs> just a quick, quick pot shot there, just to, to get uh, to get that over with. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be a quite an exciting thing. I, I think when I spoke to Neil, he said it's everybody's got their ideas of, as to what they want there, and how, you know, everyone this food and that food and this beer and that beer. It will grow, it will develop, and I think they're going to try and get in as many options as they can do at first and then see how things go and then develop it from there. It's going to become something better further down the line once they've established exactly how many fans are using it, what they're using it for when they're turning up. So I just think it would be nice to have that facility there. How about you? Oh, I agree. I think it's uh, when we played Accrington away in November time, December, I was in the... Uh, the one they have and I know it's on a smaller scale but it was great it was brilliant they had a band on uh, there was a lot of Bolton fans in it obviously this will be different it will be just home fans rather than allowing away fans to go in oh, I presume so anyway but um, yeah it's uh, I think both the, the thing Bolton have is there's so much land that we can do stuff on um, and it does make sense and also if it can be an extra uh, you know an extra money making scheme for um, for the club, because if you think that you get a thousand fans in who are all buying at least one drink, a pint at three three pound fifty, you know that's an extra three grand already. So uh, yeah, it makes it does make sense. I'm looking forward to, it, but like I said, I, well, like as you said, and I agree. I I hope that it's done properly. I hope that it doesn't, you know, when it gets to October, late October, early November, when it starts getting really windy, but it's it's not blown away and it's it looks a mess, but. Um, I'm sure they'll do it properly and they'll do a good job, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope as well that they, that that people treat it with respect. And I think one of the problems, and this wasn't something that that Neil said, but it's certainly come to my, in my thoughts uh, whilst I was writing the story, is that they've they've struggled to to pin down exactly where it's going to be, and there's been licensing issues because, of course, they have to get permission from the council and the police, and. The problem with offering beer and that kind of area, as you said there, it's quite an open place. I can't see there being segregation between home and away supporters personally in a place like that. I think it's going to be a bit difficult to do. So, I mean, I will stand corrected. I don't know that for certain. But either way, the, the fact is there could be problems. And I'm sure that is something that both the council and the police said to Bolton that there have been problems they've had to deal with in the, in the past 12 months. Mm. You know, it's not going to make that. It's not going to make that sort of thing any easier. You know, those sort of ventures when there is when there is trouble. So yeah. I, I think they've had to come overcome quite a few hurdles to get it this far. I think they deserve a bit of credit um, and the supporters trust for that matter because they've they've pushed it as well. Uh, but I think they do deserve some credit for getting it this far. Um, I know uh, I know Neil Hart does come in for some flack for, I think, for some unfair reasons sometimes. Um, but I think he's he's batted for the supporters uh, on this one and he's, he's he's got it through the gate. So uh, well done him. Yeah, and it'd be nice as well to have uh, a bit of an atmosphere like yeah. 
Because yeah. sometimes I feel, you know, it gets to quarter to three and people are turning up then. And I think with the location of the stadium as well, if it, town centre stadiums like Burnham Park was, you get that atmosphere from about one o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I think that's in a, a stadium like Bolton's, it's, that's what's missing sometimes. So if you can encourage people to come a bit earlier, then you can you can start having that atmosphere from them. But weekend, uh, we'll wait and see. Weekend before Christmas. Let me just let me paint you let me paint you a picture. Weekend before Christmas, right? You've got the old mulled wine being served up behind there as well. Oh, cool. So there's a you know Jack Jack Dearden's on the stage doing Christmas carols. Uh, you know live reindeer and all sorts. That's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful scene. Yeah, it will be for uh, and then when we're. Uh, 21st getting 9,000 against <laughs> Cheltenham at home. It would be brilliant. <laughs> um, uh, another headline, we should have mentioned this earlier actually when we talk about the B team and stuff, but Matt Lippeland uh, has left his academy post. Um, so do you think going down to that level, do you think there's a big restructure on the way? What do you think is going to happen with that? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's quite big news to be honest because Matt Lippeland, of course, took over from Jimmy Phillips as, as effectively head of the academy. I know the job title was slightly different, but um, we haven't really got to know him. Haven't really got to see much of it because of COVID and because the the training ground effectively was a no go zone. It used to be quite a, a place where you you nip in and and out of quite regularly and do press conferences and what have you. But the training ground has become slightly more of a an exclusion zone in that respect. Um, and and um, the the news coming out of the academy hasn't been quite as much as well, really. I think um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's obviously they've they've looked at this kind of restructuring. I just mentioned there about there being a, a coaching push that they're trying to raise the standards of, of coaching. I did a piece earlier this week looking at the development of the academy because five years ago it was the fourth best ranked as the fourth best academy in uh, all the ninety-two clubs. Uh, a year after that, four years ago, it was the best in the football league, as in the seventy-two AFL clubs based on the, the number of minutes that players were getting. Now, this season, there has been very few chances for players that the Bolton have, have uh, grown themselves. Now, I don't include uh, George Thomas and Liam Gordon or play, players like that that they've brought in as youngsters, but actual ones that have come through the academy. Now, that, that could be t- two things. It could be that the, you know, the quality isn't there, um, or it could be that they've dropped the ball on on the restructuring in the past. And I think I'm leaning towards the latter. I think that it was a big mistake getting rid of the 23s in the way they did and not keeping hold of the experienced coaches they had at that point in time. I think it it caused a big uh, shockwave, if you will. And I think a a few players have have had, you know, maybe struggled with that. you know, there, there haven't been as many players getting their chances and, and really knocking on the door. Um, I think since Ronan Darcy, potentially, I'd, there hasn't really been anybody that you could point out and say, you know, that youngster deserves a chance in the team, in fairness. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm hearing great things about Finley Lockett, uh, about Max Conway. Their players, I think, have got a chance, and, and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing them in the B team this season to see exactly how much they can handle. Um but it's clear it's clear they've they've gone into reverse a little bit, and they do need to do some restructuring. They do need to do some um, improvement on that front. And I mean, as a fan, Henry, I mean, they always say it's it's nice to see one of your own going out there and, and such like. Does it make a, a great difference to you? 
Um, it does and it doesn't. I mean, you at the end of the day, you want the best players to play in in each position. You you'd rather have a better player play in a position than a someone who isn't as good but have come through the the setup. But you know, I think when you see that player that you know, and you can have that chant is is one of our own. Um, it is nice as a fan, and um, yeah, I think that this. Obviously, they've had to restructure the squad because we didn't have a squad, and we we did have young a lot of youngsters who weren't ready to play. So you've got to bring in a squad first. But now it's like we said before with all these other stuff that's going on. The youth setup is part of that, and I'm sure they'll look now and go, "Well, we've got a decent squad for League One. Let's see if we can build." So in a few years, when we're back in the Championship, we've got players coming through on, and um, you know, and can you can make money that way because that's the the thing we've discussed as well is that it's a, a modern football a club of Bolton uh, you know size and stature is is a big club but also you're there to try and make money and the easiest way to do that is to bring players through and sell them on to Premier League clubs Right let's have, um, well, let's have a final headline Henry Yeah well the final one is uh, an interesting one as well so the, the club this week announced its first set of friendly matches, and amongst that is Oldham Athletic away. Now, uh, a lot of Oldham fans initially said to their own club that they weren't interested in coming to the match because they don't want to give money to their owner. And uh, a few Bolton fans joined that as well. And now there seems to be a bit of a, a campaign to um, to for no one to be there and no one to give money to Oldham Athletic. Obviously, we've had our own problems with ownership groups um do you think this is a bit of a uh, an own goal for the club or do you think it doesn't actually matter it's just a friendly yeah i, I think i think i ex- i would have expected them to dodge this one if i'm being honest i think it's a misstep more than a mistake i think it it shouldn't really matter it should be just about football um Really, and and I dare say that when they were organising it, they they were looking entirely about just making sure there was a, an opponent of a certain standard for Ian Everett's team to prepare for League One. It doesn't really matter too much who it was, but I think given everything that's happened very recently at Bolton Wanderers, people are very sensitive to it, and you know I've got a tremendous amount of sympathy for the folk down at Oldham and, and Suzanne who covers them on our desk. Uh, has her hands full, to say the least, um, and it, it really does remind me of some of the stuff that I went through as a reporter at Bolton a few years ago. It's very, very difficult when uh, there is such a huge sway of, of opinion against an owner. Um, you know, it, it's 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 it really does feel like you're going into war every day. So she's uh, she's she's fighting a good fight there, and the fans are obviously very much against the owner. Um, whether Bolton should be dragged into it is is a debatable one, um, but I can understand for a free, for a friendly uh, that they can take a moral view. If it was a league game, for example, I don't think I would be as worried about it. But I think for a friendly where ultimately doesn't matter does it it's it's not exactly a ground that we haven't been to loads of times and and such like um i i can see quite a few people boycotting it on moral grounds um i can see lots of people not turning up just because it's a friendly but um mm. on moral grounds i can understand it obviously i'll be there reporting um but i think i i do i do appreciate the battle that they're going through 
and uh, and uh, push the boundary and, and fans groups over there at, at Oldham. Um, you know, I wish them I wish them the best, really. And and they're looking to buy their own stake in the football club as well, which is quite unusual. So I, I do I do genuinely hope that if if Bolton fans are not um, going to the game, then then feel free to chuck a fiver or so their way and, and make sure they uh, get a, a chance to do what they want to do. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, it's, I mean it's hardly a glamour fixture, is it? No. So it's um, yeah, I, I won't be going, and that's not necessarily a uh, a personal stance. It's pro- it's possibly just because it is a friendly, and I've been to Boundary Park before. I think if I was doing nothing on the day, I might consider it. But um, I think uh, yeah, I think if you were planning on going, and want to take this stance, then I agree with you. I think it's uh, it's probably better to just throw donate a bit of money to them um you know Oldham is a local club and you know I remember when we were in the same league in league one when uh, we went there near the end of the season and battered them and they got a, oh, a yeah. I think it was an own goal on it in the end but um I you know there's, there's that banter there and there's that local rivalry but I think apart from that FA Cup tie where Mark Patterson give the ball away I don't think Bolton and Oldham necessarily have had much uh, with each other, so um, yeah, you hope that if you can do anything to help and get them back in the football league, then great. And of course, John Sheridan in charge there as well, a proper proper wanderer. Yeah. So um, no, I do. I wish him. I wish him well. It's it's a difficult one. It's not. It's not one of those that you know. I I feel I need to lead from the front and say you know Bolton fans shouldn't do it. Uh, my own personal view is you do what you want to do. Um, but I do feel a tremendous amount of sympathy for what they're going through there, and I do. Like I say, if, if if Bolton fans feel strongly about it, um, then I do implore you to, uh, to to look at the fundraising efforts they're making there and maybe uh, maybe help them out because it's um, it's it's a it's a very difficult situation. Something clearly needs to change if that club isn't just going to get cut adrift in the National League um, because it's it's gone beyond the point. I remember that happening with Ken Anderson where you just knew there was no getting back from the position that you've 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 boxed yourself into. From the corner that you've boxed yourself into, and uh, and that's where uh, Lensigam is there over the over there. Exactly the same situation as Anderson. I just hope that it's tidied up a lot faster and with a lot fewer casualties than there was at, uh, at Bolton Wanderers. Um, right. Okay. So ages and ages and ages I've been promising to shift the backlog of emails that we have developed uh, with people sending in their views etc etc and today I fulfill that promise uh, not because I couldn't be bothered thinking up anything uh, kind of more imaginative to finish up the show so uh, uh, Phil Moraes taking away is that Philip Moraes We do genuinely love reading your emails, um, and even even if I don't read them out on the podcast, I do try and reply back to everybody and say thanks very much for sending it in. So um, the ones that I've put in my special pile to read out, I'm going to try and read out as many as I can do now, and uh, get Henry's thoughts on them as well. Um, so, right, a couple of weeks into the summer, let's clear the backlog, let's do it. I will start with a pretty straightforward one. Uh, this one's from James in Salford, Mark and Henry. Why are other clubs so fixated with what Bolton Wanderers do? Um, we've had it all season with Wigan, and then we see Stockport fans singing about us when they've just got promotion from the conference. 
Is this a line of duty? Because I don't know what to think, says James. Henry, why are other clubs so fixated on Bolton? Because, Mark, Bolton are massive everywhere we go. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know, really. It's, but, you know, it's let's face it, like, we can understand Stockport, it's it's to do with Sarsavik, isn't it? And, uh, you know, traditionally Stockport are... Well, Stockport are as big as, like, Oldham and that sort of mm. um, group. Sort of, you've got your United City uh, in Greater Manchester, then you've got your Boltons, Wigan's, and the Lancashire clubs like Blackburn and, and stuff, and then you've got um, the likes of Bury, Rochdale, Stockport, Oldham. So um, you always look up, you don't look down, do you? So uh, yeah, I'd just say, hey, it's it's what it is. We don't have to play Stockport next year. They might come up because they're spending a bit of money, but mm. then hopefully we'll go up as well. So we'll always have that league gap on him yeah yeah I, I, I don't begrudge him it was uh, it was interesting so it has been interesting to see the way that Sarsavik has, has dealt with his post Bolton career I, I, I would like to have seen him have a bit more class than he's shown but hey what can you do it's only banter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> indeed Henry <laughs> indeed that mm-hmm said more than any other word on the <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> Uh, right, the next one is slightly more left field, quite literally. Um, Mark and Henry, I was listening to you discuss the most underrated players recently and reckon you missed out on one, the third highest Premier League goal scorer, I assume he means for Bolton, and someone who never got anywhere near enough credit when he signed for Bolton. I'm talking about a certain Matt, brackets Matty Taylor. Uh, a left mm. foot like a traction engine and a knack of being in the right place at the right time, but yet for some reason he never got billed as one of Bolton's best. Why is that? Keep the good work. Keep up the good work. Bring back Danny Shitu. It's Ash from Little Halton. So, Matty Taylor, did he ever get the, the praise he deserved? I, I think uh, Ash has got a very good point there. I don't think he did. I uh, Yeah, I think he... I mean, Matty Taylor played in that... He, he he was in the team after the, the big Sam team with Acotra and Campo and stuff. So whatever that team did, they were always going to be compared or or kind of be the um, you know the cast off of that team. So uh, yeah, I don't think many of them got enough credit. Um, so yeah, I would definitely. I thought he was a he was a very good player. I think sometimes maybe got a little bit of stick from the fans, but not too much. Uh, but as Ash said, he wasn't he wasn't necessarily seen as our best player. I think it was probably around that time. It was just Kevin Davis was seen as the uh, uh, the man front and centre for Bolton, probably because he was the last remaining player from that era and, and Yossi as well. So um, maybe that had something to do with it. But yeah, he was. A, I always look at that squad and you, you'd think, yeah, they were underrated a bit. And let's face it, being in League One, you would probably have all of them back in. Uh, in the squad now and, and you know like we all have our feelings on Gary Megson but with that squad he, we were comfortably stayed up every year so hey yeah he spent I mean he spent big didn't he in, in that January when he signed Steinson and Cahill and uh, Matt Taylor and there was a lot of money spent comparatively speaking especially compared to nowadays good grief but mm. um yeah, I mean, I think Taylor was quite a big fee. 
I, I felt he'd lost a lot of his pace by the time he turned up a ball. He wasn't quite the same player as he had been at Portsmouth and scoring all those spectacular goals. But he was a good professional and he did um, he did a good job. He did a good job personality-wise, you know. And he's one of one of that group that I probably didn't get on with as much as as others. Uh, probably, yeah. In fact, I would say definitely. Um, not what I would say. He wasn't particularly my cup of tea as a person at the time. Although I've met him since, and he's he's uh, been perfectly fine. <laughs> but as when he was a player, not so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was what he was, and he's he, he was a free kick specialist. He could take a mean penalty. Never really let anybody down. But I think when he was playing on that left side, if he was a bit pacier, probably would have got a bit more credit. I think. Um, yeah. So there we go. Um, it's 2022, and we've just done about five minutes on Matt Taylor. What can you say? Um, right. I love these love these uh, e emails. By the way, Demark and Henry, do you think there will be enough money made available for Ian Everts that he needs next season to match the likes of Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, MK Dons, maybe Sunderland, and a few others? Um, I keep reading the aim is promotion and I think Ian Everett is doing a great job but should we be more realistic does it do any good saying the club is going to get into the top six next season if you haven't got a top six budget says Carl in Bolton Henry are we are we falling into a trap that we've probably fallen into before and that's you know operation operation promotion yeah um I think Bolton's squad, or Bolton's first eleven, is as good as any in the top six, in my personal opinion. I think it's shown that the last few months. Whether uh, the squad is or not is another thing. I think, yeah, we all want to get promoted because we all feel that our rightful place is in the top two divisions, which traditionally it is. Uh, but the problem now is that when we were in League One under Phil Parkinson, it was ourselves and Sheffield United, possibly Bradford, who felt that. Now you've got about seven or eight teams that feel that. So, um, I, I mean, you'll know more than me. I, I don't see us um, making big signings for money. Um, although you could argue that with the there's, there's a lot less that needs doing to the squad this time. So maybe they can afford to throw a bit of money at a, at a player um, and, and bring in only a few rather than thinking, well, this money's going to have to stretch to... 12 or 13 players it might be well this money's got to stretch to five or six so yeah it could be i guess i think i think you're right i think you're right as far as targeting the the small number of signings the quality over quantity i think they will put money into the right signing um we've talked about Cole Stockton, for example, being, and I've noticed another set of reports this week that have, have linked him. They're going to spend money on Marlon Fossey. We think that will get done very soon. Hopefully, this is a Friday podcast. Wouldn't it be lovely just to see that uh, that little hint drop about four o'clock on Bolt Mondra's uh, hmm. official channels that there might be a signing? Um, fingers crossed that happens, by the way. But uh, yeah, I, I think that kind of signing, that a player coming out of contract or a player that's, you know, in that kind of bargain zone, if you will, uh, I think that's what they'll go for. Um, and they won't spend massive. They're not going to spend over the odds for anybody, but they will try and shop smart and hope that that gets them to where they want to be. Whether it whether it does is a different matter. I mean, I think this season, um, 
you know they've recruited really well in the end. I think over the over the twelve months, I thought they recruited really well. But then you look at other clubs and what they've spent, and they are still way behind uh, in terms of investment. So it really it's it's hard to do that again and again and again. It's really hard, and, and you know, I hope they do. Um, Chris Markman and Ian Everett have done a, a terrific job so far. When they've needed to sign quality, they've found the quality. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I just hope... I, I, I do share your same, um, same slight scepticism, Carl, as far as whether there's the core amount of money that they're going to need, particularly down the line, if they got into the championship. Um... But at the moment, you just have to trust in uh, Ian Everton and, and Chris Markham and the, the quality they brought in, I suppose. Yeah, and well, you got to—I've got to—you got to say about Derby as well. Just a quick one. I know Wigan did it last year, but Derby have got to—they've got to get this. Uh, I know the takeover is about to happen, but they've got to get it over the line, and then they've got to bring in pretty much a whole new squad because I know a few of them are out of contract. So. It might not be as easy for Derby as coming down and coming straight back up because they've not played at this level for a long time. So, um, yeah, they, they might struggle. Who knows? Who knows? I don't think they will. But anyway, <laughs> who knows? But they won't. Um, right, next one uh, from Stephen. Good morning, Mark and Henry. Uh, this actually was this morning, would you believe? Um, hope this email finds you well. Love the show and us to every Friday morning in the gym. I was wondering if you had any information on the upcoming B team for next season. Covered a bit of that before. And with regard to what days the matches will be played on, where they will be played, and if spectators will be allowed to watch. I spent quite a few Saturday mornings down at Lost Stock last season watching the development squad. And I'm excited to see how some of the lads given pro contracts will handle the step up, as I believe there was a lot of talented youngsters there. I recently subscribed to the Bolton News, well done Stephen, uh, to keep up to date with all the goings on at the club. But I haven't found anything on the issue, this issue so far, so I apologise if this has been covered and I missed it. Keep up the good work. So, um, yeah, on terms of the days, um, I think they're going to be operating similar to the reserve team this season, so I think it's going to be midweek. And there's nothing stopping anybody going down there and, and, and doing that. I think um, the 18s will continue to play uh, on a Saturday morning as they as they have done. Um, and we did see this week, of course, that 10 scholars have been signed up. They've they've they will now make up the majority of that 18s group, along with a couple of the second years that uh, are still there from from this year. Um, we're yet to hear which ones have, have moved on and, and you know the younger players that have been given pro contracts as well but I suspect we'll be hearing the likes of Conway and, and, and such like that will get it um, so yeah I, I think it's it's interesting to see how that's going to be made up and again harking back to the story I wrote earlier about the uh, earlier this week about the, the the academy and the challenges they face at the moment it it, it will be a, an interesting barometer the makeup of that B team as to how good Bolton's youngsters are and how many they import. If that team is going to be starting life as a, a team of trialists, then I think it is a fair thing to say whether well, that standards needs to be to, to rise in, in the teams below, in the 18s and the 16s and, and what have you. But if half of that team is made up of homegrown players, then I think that to me, is about the right mix. You know, if you've got if you've got ten players or so every season that are, are knocking on the door at B team level that you've created yourself, I think that's okay. 
Um, and and so it'll be interesting to see that. I mean, uh, uh, how about you, Henry? How how is the academy broke, or do we need to fix it? Um, I think the the route they're going down um, with a mix of the homegrowns or the the local lads and maybe lads that have dropped out of um, development squads higher up the pyramid or uh, or youth teams. I think it's quite smart. I think. I, you know, Bolton um, as a club, as a you know, we need to we we know our place, and our place is that we are in a very uh, we're in a big cat we're in a very bad catchment area when you're looking at trying to recruit fans because of the amount of teams around us. But we're also in a very good catchment area. If you think, well, you've got uh, four Premier League clubs. Well, depending on what Everton do this weekend, um, potentially three Premier League clubs. Uh, on our doorstep, who are three of the biggest clubs in the world. So, yeah, we should be mopping up their their talent that's slipped through the net. Um, and, uh, and yeah, then also try and recruit from, from within Bolton. So, I think the, the academy structure, I don't know, I, you know, I'm not, we're, I obviously don't know how it, you know, I could say, yeah, it's broke and then you could have people at the club upset because they're saying, well, it's not. But I think in... In terms of going forward, I think it's the right thing to do. Having, as you mentioned before, having a head of coaching, having a, a sort of structure there, as well as then recruiting local lads and then also lads that have, have dropped out of Premier League teams can be quite quite smart. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Um, right, another one. Who's this one from? This one's from Ian in West Horton. Um he says, dear Mark and Henry, following on from the email last week regarding the best X1 or best 11 players we've had since being relegated from the top flight and due to our current circumstances of fans wanting two expired loan players to return to the club, I've merged these two topics together and listed an 11 of relatively short-term loans that we'd have all liked to have seen play more for BWFC in the last 10 years. Okay, I like this. I love these, uh, love these X1s. Okay, so in goal, James Trafford, which, of course, we heard um, well, Bolton still wants him back. I think Bolton will get him back personally, but there we go. Um, back three of Alan Hutton, who was brilliant. Mm. Uh, Craig Dawson. Yeah. Craig Dawson. 750 grand Bolton could have signed him for, by the way. I mean, he actually was in the Bolton system as a, as a kid as well, I, I heard the other day. Um, it's good about him for nothing, but uh, yes, I do remember Dougie Freeman being especially upset that Bolton couldn't find the money to sign Craig Dawson uh, one year, and, and then Steve Warnock as well, who I thought played quite well right at the very yeah. start of the championship. Um, midfield four: Peter Chioso mm -hmm. on the right hand side, uh, Liam Bridcut, um, who he divided fans. Where did you fall on the Bridcut? Line? Did you think he was good or or, or a bit pedestrian? Uh, I quite liked him actually. I've got to say, I think uh, I could. Bridcut was a bit like Prattley, where I could understand where people thought that he didn't do much, but I actually quite liked him and I thought he, he contributed. So I never. I mean, Bridcut played in that, in an awful side, so give him some credit. That was the worst Bolton team for a long time. Um, Barry Bannon. God blimey, Barry Bannon. Mm. Uh, Barry Bannon, you know, I don't think he was particularly rated, uh, even by Le Neil Lennon when he signed. I don't, I don't think they really got him at all. And 
although obviously he's, he's gone on to have a fantastic career with Wednesday. Um, Anthony Robinson on the left-hand side. Um, he's playing Thibaut Verlinden as a number 10. That's a bit okay. uh, an interesting choice. And up front, Adam Armstrong and Lukas Djokovic. That's a good front too. Yeah, Jokovic was the first person I thought of, actually. Um, yeah. And he, he's gone on and had a decent career at Birmingham, hasn't he? So, uh, yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a shame that we couldn't turn out. Adam Armstrong, I don't think, did much. He, well, he did score a few goals, I guess. But I, I think, though. Yeah, I think his career at Blackburn maybe may sort of changed people's opinions on what he did for us. I weren't too bothered that he... he left us to be honest at the time but he's definitely had a great career since going back to Jokovic you know I remember the last time uh, actually it wasn't the last time it was the time before that we, they were in Sweden and Bolton were on the verge of signing Jokovic and uh, Dougie Freeman was we came up to the press box in this Swedish ground somewhere I can't remember where it was now and he sat down he was actually talking to Jokovic about coming down and coming over to Sweden they, it was due to link up with them he was so giddy. He was like, "Yes, this is going to be the you know we're going to be building around this guy. This is going to be the, the the player that's going to you know give us that extra edge that we didn't have last season." Um, it was a really buoyant place, and they went. And I seem to remember there was some sort of like Olympic Games thing going on. They had like all the swim races and all. The, and I was thinking, "God, this is going to be a great season because the, the lads are bang up for this." Anyway, the next day, I, I think it was about the next day. It was very very soon after that. Um, he signed for Burnley for 500 grand. And it literally sucked the whole life out of the place. You could see the, the, the morale dip and all of a sudden he got went into that season with no obvious plan. The whole plan was based around him. Um, I can't remember exactly who they signed that year. I don't. I think it was past, um, past Beckford. But uh, it certainly wasn't anybody that was going to make a, a vast amount of difference. Um, no. And and that's that's the that's the end of Dougie Freeman really. After that, it just became a, a, a diminishing returns. Um, I'll just I'll just add that Ian does say there's an honourable mention to Ben Jackson, of course, um, who scored that brilliant uh, goal against Morecambe, and of course Marlon Fossey, who I hope is signed permanently by the time you receive this email, and therefore is ineligible for the eleven. Keep up the good work, lads. I look forward to giving uh, a weekly fix of BWFC through the summer, and we will continue to do so, Ian. Um, right, uh, we've got one more, which is a bit of a line of duty, so I'll give you that sting. Duty for ages. So, um, if anybody out there can help uh, help Ian, it's another Ian. It's a different Ian. Um, I haven't included his second name though, so it's just Ian. Um, dear Mark and Henry, I've been saving this one for one of the quieter off-season periods when hopefully Line of Duty re-emerges. As a child, I have a vague recollection. I went to a home game with my dad, and he'd taken a much more budget look-alike Lofty the Lion outfit with him. And managed to get on the pitch for the half-time walk-around with the real Lofty. So a fake Lofty walks around the half-time with the real Lofty. Can you help me find out whether this actually happened, or was I just a bored eight-year-old? And uh, uh, sorry, or was it just a bored eight-year-old's imagination? 
It would have been somewhere between 94 and 97 at Burnden when I had a season ticket with my dad and stood with the other kids at the metal fence on the Manchester Road stand. Keep up the good work on the buff. So, if you if you remember a fake Lofty doing a lap of the pitch with the real Lofty, get in touch and here's how to do it. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T H E B U F M A I L, all one word at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Yes, well, don't say we don't uh, get, get to the subjects that really matter here on the buff. <laughs> Um, you don't remember that, do you, Henry? No, to be honest, I, I was a bit too young. My first season, first full season, was the last one at Burnham Park, and all I remember with Lofty is that he got pelted with pies against Wolves, and then would throw sweets into the crowd uh, the the game before Christmas. Um, <laughs> obviously, times have changed. I don't suppose he'd do that now, but uh, it's a health and yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, you don't want to be it with a snack sized Mars bar, do you? <laughs> Oh, I wouldn't mind. In fact, <laughs> I, I, where was it? The, uh, Everton. They used to throw Everton uh, mints out at Everton um, quite yeah. a bit, and there was a couple of other places. I, I've I've grabbed them in the press box before now, but yeah, that's something that doesn't happen anymore. Anyway, um, imagine if they start throwing biscuits. It'd be amazing. I'd be in the front row. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, before we before we finish this week's show, we're going to try something slightly different um, and and put. Well, this week it's Henry's knowledge to the test, but this is going to be something we both try over the next couple of weeks. Um, it's Wanderer's Mastermind. I asked Henry for a specialist subject. Of course, it had to involve Bolton Wanderers. Um, in fact, I think the two the two you gave me were... Was it 04 or 05? Yeah, uh, that was... Probably peak of my Bolton knowledge, probably because we did well, we were doing well and finishing sixth. But uh, yeah, so I thought we'll go with that or go with, um, well, something that I remember quite well, basically, because it's only just happened. Well, we've gone with the one that's just happened because I just thought if we don't do it now, then I'm going to forget anything that's of any vague relevance. Um, So we're going to do two minutes of questions on this season henry so can you just sit in that leather chair please so i can shine this uh, shine this spotlight on you i mean you can't hear it but uh, maybe our sounds effects department can do a, I, oh actually don't i don't know what the sound effect for sitting in a leather <laughs> chair would be i'll try and find one let's let's <laughs> we'll, we shall see we shall see um right two minutes and the tension is building already. I need to, oh, I need to get my questions up. Uh, two minutes, starting now. Which player played the most minutes of anyone in the Bolton Wanderers squad in all competitions this season? Oh, um, Santos. False. Um, who got the most assists of any Bolton Wanderers player this season? Um, Declan John. Correct. I said false for the first one, that was a bit weird. Um, name either player who finished as Bolton's top scorer in the cup competitions this season with three goals. Oh, Bakayoko. Correct, the other one was Owen Doyle. Uh, question four, Dion Charles signed from what club in January? 
Uh, false. Accrington Stanley. Uh, question five. At which stadium did Bolton Wanderers score their first away goal this season? Oh, uh, Wimbledon's uh, plough line. Well done. Correct. Question six. Two current Bolton Wanderers players have scored for the opposition this season. One of them was an own goal. Can you name them? Um, who scored the own goal? Uh, oh, Santos. Santos, correct, yeah. You're going to go for the other one? An extra point? Uh, scored against Bolton. Dempsey, yes, correct. Um, question seven. Who were the first team to beat Bolton in 2022? Um, that was Wickham. Incorrect. It was Rotherham United. He is Dave. Yeah. Um, and question number eight. Three players have scored penalties for Bolton Wanderers this season. Who are they? Uh, Bakioko. And... Who scored the... Bakioko? It's not no, Doyle, by him. the way. It's not Doyle. Oh. Uh, who have scored penalties? Three, um, two, one. Sadlier. Yes. Oh, I can't think of anymore. Um, I mean, I'm going to get letters if if Doyle has scored, but uh, I, I don't. He has scored. He, he scored against Wimbledon on the second game. Right. Okay. Then well, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. Where did I get my stats from? It was uh, Y Scout on penalty mm. score, but of course he will have moved on, so he wouldn't have been in that list. So anyway, I might just edit that question out. <laughs> <laughs> well, who was the other one? Oh, sorry, it was sadly a Bakioko and Sheehan, Josh Sheehan. Sheehan, of course, against Crew. Oh yes. well, I, you know, I get I get three out of four. Then I don't, I'll I'll take that. You got three out of three, as far as I'm concerned. In fact, uh, what was the the first question you got wrong? Uh, which player played the most minutes of anyone involved? Was it was George Johnson. Uh, care to guess? Uh, get, care to guess? I'll give you a uh, hundred either way. How many minutes he? Uh, for an extra point, Ooh. how many minutes he played? Um, let's see. So he might have played about 40 games at 90 minutes. Uh, 3,600. 4,288. Didn't think about cup games. Oh, yeah, of course. Ah, well. Ah, well, that is all we have time for this week. Um, next week, Henry will give me seven more researched and prepared questions on a subject of my choosing. And I'm going to go for something incredibly niche. Uh, the life... Press scram. Press scram, yeah. That, I, that'd be too easy. The life and times of Ian Marshall or something like that, I think would be, <laughs> be a good one. Um, but uh, it just goes to show, I mean, we've done uh, we've done another bumper episode, uh, the, the less football that is going on, the more we end up talking about it. So... It's just a lesson, I think. Uh, so before we do go, though, I'll just tee up what we're going to be doing next month. Uh, the Buff is going to be going to Portugal uh, with Wanderers uh, for a few days over in the Algarve. I've uh, been given the official thumbs up this week. So um, we'll be doing a, an, an official episode from the Algarve, or at least I will. I mean, uh, you know, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll be a bit, I was like, gonna say. a bit like Eurovision. I'll be like, uh, and uh, here comes Henry from Swinton. Can you hear me, Henry? <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like, uh, I'd be going, hey, Salford, big up Salford, like the woman actually did. <laughs> yeah, it was great, that one, it was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been another, it's been another pleasurable uh, episode of The Buff, um, and uh, all that's left to do really is to say uh, uh, ta I suppose. Ta-ra. First not last, it's not surpassed, you
The Buff Podcast. Not so class. Ones on mass. Getting all my shit everyone else at the end of the game. The Buff Podcast. There's the ins. There's the outs. There's the shaking. The shaking all about. There's the old. And the new. The wondrous legends. On interview. First, not last. It's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. The Bar Podcast. Not outclassed. Once on mass. I need to run up to the end of the game. The Bar Podcast.